0: All right, good morning, y'all. Boy, that seemed less than enthusiastic. Good morning, y'all. Good morning. morning. Great to see you. Welcome. My name is Troy. Glad that you're all here, except for those of you in the back room wearing San Francisco 49er jackets. You can take those home, all right? Some of you don't know what I'm talking about. Just, I got my eye on you. Watch, (laughs) y'all. Well, uh, my name is Troy, and I'm one of the pastors here, and grateful that you joined us to celebrate our good God. Isn't God good? Amen, amen, and uh, thank you for being here this morning. Uh, Hey, I just wanna take a quick shout before I jump into this message. I wanna thank all of you who uh, offered to be a leader in one of these groups, to step up and opened your home or decided to share your passion, uh, maybe a study, and to to lead other people into relationship and to encourage them and help them find a home. You know, I say this a lot, Steamboat is a friendly place, but it's a hard place to make a friend. And we wanna be a friendship factory, and we try to make that as easy as we can by offering these groups in a place where you can find some spiritual friends. We all have acquaintances and people that we like to hang out, but we need some people in our life, like Charlie said, that'll pray for us, that'll help us and encourage us in our walk. And so I challenge you today, because of these people stepped up, hey, do your part. Look at that and see if something attracts you and uh, sign up and get some more information. All right, well, we are in part two of a series that we started last week called New Normal. And uh, basically, uh, we're just talking about how to make sure that next time won't be like... The last time, how to kind of grow from our mistakes. Uh, We're basically looking at how to make sure that we don't repeat our uh, our mistakes that we made the last time, or last year, or last week. How do we grow from them? And uh, and so, if you're here this morning and you're starting anything over in your life right now, this year, uh, this new year, and you're starting over, maybe a new career or a new business venture, or maybe a, a marriage or a relationship, or perhaps uh, you're just starting over romantically, financially, or even spiritually, there's something in this series that will help you and encourage you. So um, over, uh, we, we kicked this off last week with kind of an introduction, but today, what well, we're shifting gears. Uh, over these next uh, two or three weeks here, we're gonna look at three things. We're gonna look at three dynamics that you have to utilize if you're gonna make sure next time is better than the last time. And, and these are things that will help you evaluate your experience, to evaluate what you just went through. Um, Because we talked about this last week that experience alone doesn't make you wiser. Evaluated experience makes you wiser. Just going through bad things doesn't make you a wiser person. It just makes you tired and more older and and less and more poorer. What we want to do is we want to grow and learn from those things. Uh, These things will help you not only know how to do better, uh, how to know, these things will not only help you know better, but they'll help you do better. And there's a distinction between that because we all know the right thing to do in most situations. We all know right from wrong, but we don't always do the right thing. And so these things will help you do better next time. And and if you're wise enough to to hit the pause button in your life, uh, these three things will help you maximize your your time uh, while you're waiting for your next adventure. So often people jump back into a relationship, jump back into the thing without really kind of taking the time to grow and to learn from that. And that's what we're doing here. So uh, I want to give you three, these three thoughts that we're going to study these next uh, few weeks. The first one is this. If you're starting over, number one, you need to own it. You need to own it. Everybody say, own it. Own it. You need to own it. You got you to gotta own it. Uh, number two, you need to rethink it. You need to look back and kind of rethink about what you did there. And lastly, you need to release it. And we're going to talk about that. And on that Sunday, we're going to celebrate communion. And we're going to take the trash out. We're going to leave that stuff behind. But today, we're going to start off with this uh, idea of owning it. Owning it. And when, I'm, when I say own it, what I mean by this is that in order for you to ensure that your negative history, the negative things that have happened in your history, don't repeat themselves, You've got to own your part of your negative history. Again, I know that people have done things to us. People have abused us and used us. And we often look at that. But you've got to own your part of that negative history. And in order to ensure that your past doesn't creep back into your future again, you need to own what was actually your fault in that last ordeal. And I knew that that would get a big amen. I know none of us want to do that. We don't like doing that. We don't like doing that. And and, and the reason that we don't like doing that is simple. Let's face it, right? There is nothing to own. Because it wasn't your fault. Amen? Right? That's how we think. It wasn't your fault. She's the one who left. He's the one who wouldn't put down the bottle. Right? It wasn't my fault. How was I to know that the economy was going to tighten up? It's not your fault. Amen? (laughs) The, The biggest reason that we don't own our part in something is that there is something inside of us that doesn't want to admit that we actually screwed up. We don't want to think about that. We don't want to talk about what we might have done that made it worse. We would rather talk about how unfair the world is. We would rather talk about um, how bad they were. We would rather talk about how dishonest he was. We don't want to talk about us. We want to talk about them. We want to think about what they have done to us. But listen to me. This is a hard truth. And I want you to write this down on your notes if you're taking notes. And that is this. Your best chance, your best bet for a successful future is to own your share of the past. Your best bet to have success in your future is to own the junk in your trunk. The stuff that you did to make that hard. And I know that this is not easy and I know none of us wanna do it. In fact, a great illustration of why this is so hard for us to do is found in a story in the Bible. And uh, it's interesting. This story that I'm going to share with you is one of the oldest stories in the Bible, if not the oldest. And uh, in fact, it's found in the book of Genesis, which means the beginning or beginnings. And my point is this, is that from the very beginning, um, uh, mankind has had a hard time admitting our wrongs. From the very beginning, we have had a hard time owning our own stuff. It's just all all has struggle with this. In fact, um, you know you, you do this naturally. We shirk responsibility and avoid this naturally. It comes to us naturally. In fact, if you're a member of the human race, <laughs> uh, it is in you to ignore your part in your last mistake. It's in you to blame your situation and your circumstances on everyone else. That's how you are. Uh, in fact, the reason we're so good at this is because we are related to these two characters in the Bible that I'm about to talk about, Adam and Eve. How many of you are familiar with Adam and Eve? Three of you, okay, well, I'll get the rest of you, okay. (laughs) Um, Before I tell you their story, before this though, before I tell you this part of their story, um, I need to say something about Adam and Eve, and that is this. If you were raised in church, if you grew up in church, you probably know and believe in Adam and Eve. You believe that and, and, and know about them. But if you didn't go to church or if you took um, the same college freshman English class that I took, you were probably taught that the creation story that's in the book of Genesis is a myth. That it's a myth. That it's like, A lot of the other ancient creation myths that are out there that every culture comes up with. The Greeks had a myth on how things started. The the Hopi Indians had one. The Mayans had one. And you were probably taught that the creation story in Genesis is like all the others. And so you probably walked out of that class thinking to yourself, my Sunday school teacher was wrong. My pastor was wrong. My parents were wrong. And you had kind of a conflict of faith. And, uh, and you're like, you know what? My, those guys were wrong. But my college English teacher was brilliant. They just knew things no one else knew. If that's you, if that's where you are, I get it. I understand how you might have came to that. But you need to know this. You need to know something. And that is this. Listen to me. The reason that Christians take the Adam and Eve story seriously isn't because our Sunday school teacher told us to. And it isn't because our pastor took it seriously. The reason that Christians take the Adam and Eve story seriously is because Jesus took the Adam and Eve story seriously. He believed it. And we, uh, as Christians, we follow Jesus and we do and, and we believe that he knows what he's talking about, right? Right? And the reason that we take Jesus seriously is because if anyone can predict their death and their resurrection and then pull it off, we're just pretty much going to follow whatever they say we should do. Amen? Amen. (laughs) Wake up. Come on, that was good. Amen? Amen. That's why we believe the Adam and Eve story. But listen, uh, if that's not you, um, if you don't, uh, and if you just see this as a mythical story, that's okay. That's okay. I just I just you have to admit this though at least. You have to admit that it's insights this that the story of Genesis and Adam and Eve it's insights into human nature and human behavior are kind of amazing. You at least have to admit that. I mean, this is one of the oldest stories in the world. It is when you consider how old this is and it is super super old. The observations that the author of this story make about people and about how people operate are, are astounding. I mean, just this, this isn't, there's something to this. And so, uh, either way, if you believe it's true or you think it's a myth, it doesn't matter. We can all still learn something about ourselves by looking at this story, this little story in Genesis, okay? All right, so let me jump into this. Genesis chapter 1, verse 27 says this So, God created mankind in his own image. I wish I had time to d- jump into that. That is brilliant. To know that we are made in the image of our creator who made all of this beauty. And it was incredibly, uh, I mean, it's just fascinating. I pray you noodle on that on your own time. But he goes on, it says, in the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Then in verse 28, it says this. God blessed them and he said to them, this is one of the first things he told them. Be fruitful and multiply. I love that. Be fruitful and multiply. Think about that. Okay, in the beginning, just after God created the world and created mankind, God basically, one of the first things he said to man is, hey, listen, I want you to have fun and I want you to make some babies. Hallelujah, amen. And I, in fact, you can have fun while you're making babies if you'd like. <laughs> I know that's immature, but that, that's it. That was one of the first rules that he came up with, right? And Adam heard this and he had to go, that's it? He created all of this and that's, all, that's, that's the only rule that you have for us? And God's like, yep. That's all, that's all I need from you. I just want you to enjoy this. And uh, that is, that's crazy. You might be thinking about that and going, well, wait a second, Troy, what about all the 10 commandments and all the rules and regulations about, those didn't show up for thousands of years later. I mean, who would have made that up? In fact, listen to this. According to the writer of Genesis, in the beginning, there was only one rule. Just one. I mean, who, would, who would have, could have made that up? No, a man wouldn't have. Men and women, we love rules, and every other religion you see in this world are just filled with one rule after another, after another, and after another. But instead, God's like, nope. He said, you see that tree over there, Adam? That's in the middle of the garden. That's mine. And the only rule I have for you is I want you to leave that one alone. Everything else that I've given you in this paradise, this whole thing is yours. Enjoy, have fun, be fruitful, multiply, do it. But leave that one tree, one rule, leave that tree alone. Do not eat from the fruit of that tree. And you have to look at that, and Adam's like, that's it? That's the only rule. Leave that, that's almost comical. It doesn't make sense. It's too easy. Leave that tree alone. That's all you're asking of us, God? Leave that tree, uh, it just is almost inconsequential. It's like, okay, whatever you say, right? But according to Christian belief, and according to Jewish belief, in the beginning, when God had everything exactly like he wanted it, there was just one rule. Just one. That's brilliant. I like that. But then, of course, we all know what happened. Adam and Eve broke <laughs> that one rule. I mean, why? Because humans are human. We, we, we do that. We, we, we would have done the exact same thing if we were in their shoes, right? They broke the rule. They did the one thing that God asked them, please don't do. Just one thing, don't do this, and they did it. They sinned. And when they sinned, the Bible says that sin entered the world, and more importantly, sin entered into man, into you and I. And so, uh, you may not believe in sin. You may not believe that there's such thing as right and wrong. But here's the thing you need to know. There is sin, and you are a sinner, it's true, and, and in fact, um, before you get all offended on that, let me explain what I mean by that. Reg- listen to me, regardless if you're here this morning and you believe in God or not. Regardless if you're here this morning and you believe in, in, that God in God's rules and following God, whether you believe in that or not, you know this is true. You don't even follow the own rules that you set up for yourself. right? I mean, you, some of you at New Year's had a resolution, I'm going to work out three times a week. You've already, you've already blown it, haven't you? I'm going to eat better this year. And on the way to church, you had McDonald's, didn't you? Right? You, 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 you have a standard for your own behavior, and yet you find yourself treating and saying things to people that you regret. And you're like, why did I do that? I don't want to be that kind of person. Why do I feel this way? And so my point is, is come on, you don't need the Bible to tell you that there's something wrong with you. You know that there's something wrong with you. And I know that there's something wrong with me. It's sin. The Bible calls it sin. Now you can call it whatever you want. But you and I were born with a desire in our hearts to break the rules. Christians believe that this is Adam and Eve's fault. That we do this. You may have your own theory. But one of the great things about being a Christian is that we, we have someone to blame that on. <laughs> We can blame it on them, not on us. Who do you blame? Yourself, right? You're not digging this, but I. I, it's just something. So my point is, is that Adam and Eve commit the very first sin. And sin enters the world. And then it's interesting what happens next. What happens next illustrates why you and I are so messed up Sometimes. And here's what happens next. In verse uh, 8 of chapter 3 of Genesis, it says this. Listen, follow this. It says, Then, after this mistake was made, the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And what did they do? They hid. They hid. They hid from the Lord among the trees in the garden. I just want you to think about that. Think about that. They were hiding from God in a garden that God created that's not very smart but that's what we do when we screw up we do unsmart things and that's what they did and like I said whoever wrote this story they understood this thing about people this ancient ancient author points out that when you and I do something wrong we go into hiding we hide we hide it we hide ourselves from God, we hide from God, and we hide from other people, we hide. And the crazy thing is we hide in the most obvious of places too. It's just like, where are you, Adam? <laughs> Behind that tree right over there, I know where you are. And the same thing is with us, where, where's Joe at? I don't know, oh, we know where Joe's at. Joe's where he's always at. We all run back to our little security blankets and we go hide in that thing and we hide in the most obvious places. And when we get caught, we do the same thing. What do we say? We say, I'm Please God, give me somebody to talk to me this morning. When we when we screw up and we 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 mess up, we say, "I'm I'm sorry. I'm sorry." And of course, nobody believes us. And why should they? Right? They shouldn't believe us. Why? Because well, you've been doing this for 8 years behind my back. And now that you've been caught, you're going to say you're sorry? You're not sorry about what you've done. You're just sorry that you got caught, right? And what were you doing the whole time that you were doing this behind my back? What were you doing before I caught you? Hiding. You were hiding. Why? Because that's what we do. We hide until we get caught. And so that's just brilliant observation. And so verse nine, the story goes on. Let me read this to you quickly. It says this, but the Lord God then called to the man and he said something wonderful. He said, where are you? Where are you? And I love this. Charlie talked about this a couple weeks ago. If you missed that first message of the new year, brilliant, brilliant, brilliant story. Uh, Charlie talked about this. But the point is, is that when Adam and Eve messed up, God went looking for them. He, did, he, he went looking for them. And, and, and he wasn't trying to get them. He was trying to find them, trying to bring them back. He, you know, uh, and, and I want you to understand that if you've blown it here this morning... You may think that God is done with you and he doesn't want anything to do with you. The opposite is true. God is looking for you. He's looking for you. He's looking for me. Not because he wants to punish us for what we've done. Um, Not because he wants to put us over his knee, teach us a lesson. He's looking for us because he loves us. He's a good father. And he wants to help us and he wants to help restore our future. He wants the best for us. He wants to get us back on track so that we don't continue this cycle of self-destruction and hurting ourselves and hurting other people. And so the story goes on. This is the pinnacle. Follow along here. Real quickly, it says this in verse 10, that the man answered God and he said, well, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. In other words, I was ashamed, right? And so what did I do? I hid. I'm ashamed of what I've done. And God's like, who told you that you were naked? Who? Why are you ashamed? Did you do? Did you break the one rule that I told you? Did you, did you eat from that tree that I commanded you to not eat from? And in verse 12, Adam famously says this. He goes, what is it? Yes, I did go. God, and I take full responsibility for my actions. Do with me as you will, but please, please leave Eve out of this. She is totally innocent of this whole affair. Now, Some of you are like, why is that funny? Well, uh, uh, before I tell you what Adam actually said, that's not what he said, um, I want to point something out, okay? And this is important. The very first thing that the very first people in the world did after they got caught was to blame someone else. The first time someone screwed up, the first thing they did was go, it's their fault. It's not my fault, it's someone else's fault. I'm not taking responsibility for this mistake. Look at this, verse 12, watch what Adam says. He says, the man said, look at this, the man said, the woman that you put here, God, The woman that you put here with me, she is the one that brought me some of this fruit, of course, which I ate. In other words, this guy's saying, listen, God, it is your fault that this whole thing has gone apart here. It's your fault. You're the one that brought that woman to me and all the men in the world say amen. <laughs> it's your fault, God. And it's her fault. That's what we are good at, man. We're sure, it's your fault, honey. It's her fault. She's the one that brought me the fruit. Right? God, you two need to get together and you need to work this out. And then you need to come apologize to me because it's not my fault. (laughs) Technically, this is interesting. What the man said was true. It was God who put the woman in the garden. It was God's idea to do that. And it was the woman who actually went and picked the fruit and brought it to Adam. But that's not the whole truth, Right? That's not all of it. There's more to that story. And and this is what we do. We're good at this. We, when things fall apart in our lives, financially, relationally, romantically, professionally, whatever it is, we love to come up with a story and tell ourselves a story that is mostly true, but it's not the whole truth. It's about 90% of it that we kind of go, okay, this is what happened. And then there's a 10% that we don't think about or talk about, right? And the problem with that is, listen to me, um, after we tell that partly true story to ourselves over and over and over again, eventually we begin to believe it's true. We believe, begin to believe it's the whole truth and nothing but the truth and that there was, it was just all their fault. And that's dangerous because if you and I do not come out of hiding If we do not and will not admit the role that we played in our own history, um, we are just laying the groundwork uh, to undermine our future. If we don't own it, I get it. A lot of people done some stuff, but we generally participated in some way. And if we don't own that, we're setting ourselves up. And if we continue to blame and, and not think about it and only look at what everybody else has done to us, it's going to happen again. This is going to follow us like a cloud. In fact, um, blame is deadly. And, and, and if you're going to play the blame game, take a look at this. You need to understand this. You better remember this. Number one, you cannot blame your way into a better future. If you're just constantly pointing out what everybody is doing to you and how, why your life isn't, you, you cannot have a better future. Now, you can blame your way into your future. You can just, everybody, this and this, and never me. But you will never, never blame your way into a better future. Why? Because here's what blame does. Blame enables you to smuggle your issues into your future. It allows you to take that junk that you don't want into your future with you. And so when I don't admit my role, when I don't look at what I've done, when I don't confess my brokenness... I take those things and it's like sticking them in my pockets. It's like putting them in my luggage and it's, I'm, just, I'm just smuggling it into and towards my next adventure, my future. And uh, blaming others will allow you to smuggle your dysfunction that you grew up with into your future. Blaming others will allow you to smuggle those bad habits, those hang-ups into your future, those attachment issues that you have. Those mommy issues, those daddy issues, blaming others will allow you to take that into your future and you know what happens. Number three, blame will set you up for a repeat performance. You're only setting yourself up to go through this again. When you blame others for your situation, for your circumstances, for your problems, you're just punching the ticket for your next failure. And so it's deadly And that's why before you and I jump back into our next adventure real quickly, we should slow down and we should take some time and maybe ask ourselves some questions about the last time. Ask ourselves some hard questions like, what was um, my part in that last go around? I know what she did to me. I know what they did. I'm very aware of that. I got those things down. But what was my part? What did I do? Or what did I not do that I should have done? That contributed to this, this mess. And when you discover what that is, you need to own it. You need to go, this is mine. This is mine. I did that. I did that. And, and one of the reasons is that's good. One of, the, one of the things that owning your mistakes does is it de-escalates the situation. It lowers the temperature of your emotions about what you feel about what you went through which is good because when you come out of those things, you're hot and you're, mm, you see red and, 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 and this thing deescalates, why? Because you're no longer going, it's her fault and their fault and everyone else's fault. You're like, some of this was me. I need to chill out a little bit. I could have done this differently. And when that happens, here's what happens. You get clarity, you get clarity and, and you better not make any decisions in your life without clarity, You need clarity to make good decisions. What is clarity? Clarity is the ability to see clearly, to see what you couldn't see before, what no one else sees. Clarity is having the ability to look back at your situation and see some of the the, the signs and some of the the clues that you overlooked back then, that you ignored, right? Right? And going, oh, oh. <laughs> clarity allows you to hear the advice that people gave to you when you were going through it that you ignored, that you didn't listen to. Mom told you, I told you, you better watch this. or you're, And you just ignored it. Clarity allows you and I to see things that we couldn't see before. In fact, um, you guys might remember in, in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, Um, Jesus said something so simple but profound. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 8, you've read this 100 times, but you've jumped over. Check this out. Jesus said this, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see what no one else can see. There is a connection. Listen, there is a relationship between purity and clarity. That, um, that, that, that In other words, the purer your heart is, the cleaner your heart is, the easier it'll be for you to see things that no one else can see that you don't normally see or that you've never seen before. And so the more work that you do in cleaning your heart and keeping it clean and, and taking out that hidden junk that you don't want to think about, that you don't want to talk about, that you don't even want to remember, the more you do that, the easier it'll be for you to see And to be able to make better decisions for your future. That's clarity. Blessed are the pure in heart. For they will see. They'll be able to see things that no one else. And and so as long as you're hiding that thing in your heart. As long as you're deceiving yourself about what you went through. You're going to lack the clarity that you need. To ensure that your next time will be better than your last time. I know this is hard, but this is a really, really, really big deal. This is a biblical discipline that we must do. We've got to clean that up. We've got to own our junk. And so I know this is hard, and, and some of you are wanting to get out of here. I'm going to make this quick. I want to give you a little homework. Some of you are like, I, that's not the answer I'm looking for. I just, this is a good little exercise, and I promise it will help you. What I want you to do today when you get home after the 49ers lose to the Cowboys, whatever that you're doing um, I want you to get out a piece of paper. Every time I say that, the Cowboys lose, so I shouldn't have done it. but uh, So go make a bet right now. Uh, no, uh, go home and get a piece of paper and a pencil, and I want you to draw yourself a circle on that paper. And, I, and this circle represents the circle of blame in your life. In other words, what I'm saying is inside that circle, put that up there if you would, inside that circle represents everything that contributed To your last episode. That last thing that you don't want to have happen again. All the things that contributed to that. And it contains all the decisions that were made. That led to the disaster. Some were yours and some were other people's. And then what I want you to do is as you look at that circle. I want you to figure out how much of this was mine. I want you to estimate. I want you to draw a slice of that circle. That you think represents your level of responsibility. To what actually happened. Now, you may jump in and right off the go, it's half, half, 50-50, 50% my fault, 50% her fault. That's how it is. And by the way, I, I, God bless you, but that's a cop-out and you know it. That's not reality. That's not how, how you really see it. You've never thought it was 50-50. You're just saying it to kind of make yourself look better. Be honest. Okay, Pastor Troy, it's more like 25-75, you know, it might be 25% me and 75% them. That, that's it. You know, my, it was 25% me, 75% my husband or my boyfriend or my boss or my teacher. It's mostly their fault, but it's a little bit mine. Again, you're, you're, that's baloney. You don't really believe that. That's not, not how you've been acting about it. It's not how you've been talking about it. The reality is this is probably what it's going to look like when you be honest with yourself. Amen. This little part, Right. Here, <laughs> that's what I did. But this, all the rest of it, that's her. Sure, I did a few things that I could have done better. <laughs> but here's my point. Regardless of what size of your slice your life, your your contribution was, regardless of the size of your slice, that doesn't matter. Here's the truth that I want you to, to understand. You need to know this and write this down. To make peace with your past, you must own Your peace of the past. To move forward in peace. To have peace in your life. You've got to own your little peace. Regardless of what it is. You need to own your peace of the past. The only way for you to resolve that thing. To to close the door. On that episode. Is to recognize. And confess. And own your peace of the past. And the part that you contributed to it. And if you try to move on without doing that, without if you try to move on without owning your junk, disaster's coming your way again. You got to do it. You got to make peace with your past by owning your piece of the past. It's huge, and I know it's hard, and I know none of you wanted to talk about that this morning, but we need to. Some of us have been running from our past, ignoring our past, and our past is chasing us down, and it's going to get you. Be sure, Jesus, that God said, your sin will find you. It's hunting you down. It's coming down, and if you don't resolve it and close the door on it, it will come back and bite you. And I want to just say this. I know it's hard because the more painful the thing that you went through was, the harder it is for you to identify your part in it. The more painful the thing that she did and how she ruined your life and how she took everything of yours, the harder it is for you to stop and go, but I did this. The more emotional that was for you, the harder it'll be for you to sit down and do what I'm asking you to do to evaluate your role in it. But you gotta do it. It's biblical. And so what I wanna do is I just wanna help you get the juices flowing a little bit. I'm gonna ask you, give you some questions that you can ask yourself that'll help you. And, and these are subtle and they're nuanced and some of them are embarrassing. When you ask yourself you're going, and you answer, you're gonna be embarrassed. But they'll help you. I promise you. And so what I want you to do, just for a minute, I want you to think, um, I want you to remember what it was like before it all hit the fan. Whatever that episode was, if it was 10 years ago, 10 days ago, 10 minutes ago, I want you to remember what it was like before it hit the fan and I want you to ask yourself these questions. Number one, Did I have a feeling that something wasn't right during that whole thing? Did I ever have the sense that something was off with him? Did I ever see him do something and go, what? Did I ever just have that kind of, man, something's up here. And if I did, did I ignore it? And why did I ignore it? Did I ignore it because I was afraid of investigating more you know, he, he always said that he never got along with his parents and his family and no one talked to him anymore, but I never really dug into why. And the reason that I didn't do that is because I was afraid of what I'd find out and I just was more interested in just getting this thing moving and going forward and getting married and having a honeymoon. Did, number two, did, did some people in my life that I trusted warn me that, uh, that there might be something off and I ignored them? there's some people in my life who, who just came to me and said, man, I don't, I got a bad, I don't, I, I love you, but, you know, or maybe, you know, a coworker is like, hey, I don't know if you should go into business. You know, there's a reputation, you gotta, and did I ignore that? Um is it possible, this is a good one for some of us, is it possible that my loneliness really screwed me up on this? That I'm just so lonely. And I just didn't want to be alone. And so that loneliness caused me to, to keep going back to this thing that I knew I should leave behind. That's just broken. But I was so freaking lonely. I just wanted somebody. And I, or maybe this one. Was I overconfident? Did I think that I could handle it? Did I, did I stay longer than I should because I thought I could fix him? Or I could fix her? Or I could fix it? And I thought I could, and I couldn't. In fact, here's a good one. Did my pride mess me up on this? Was out of my pride, did I, did I, did, was I more worried about what other people thought about me than w- doing the right thing, and so I didn't? Did my pride catch me, or did I lie to myself? Did I ever lie to myself? Did I keep telling myself, I can handle this, I can handle my drinking. I can handle these pills. I got it when the reality is, is I knew that it was handling me. I mean, you do that, you'll find some things. Again, that's hard, guys, but it's powerful. In fact, one of the first steps that we take in Regen is, is confession. It's one of the earliest steps, and none of us like, oh, man, we got to do that. We take an inventory of all the things that we've done to hurt others and to hurt ourselves. And again, nobody enjoys that ex- exercise. But it is biblical. It's brilliant. It, it can be humiliating and it can be humbling, but it, it can be healing. It's actually healing. In fact, it's the opposite of what you think. And James, the half-brother of Jesus, said this about confession. James five sixteen. James said this. He said, confess your sins so that you may be embarrassed and ashamed and feel even worse about what you are. No, he says the opposite. He says, confess your sins so that you may finally be healed. That's so opposite of what you and I think. Is I don't want to think about my junk. I don't want to think about my mistakes. I don't even want to talk about them. But God says that when you confess them, when you own them, you finally have healing from them. And you're set free from them. And the pain is gone. Listen, I know that that may be hard for you to think about, but be honest, hiding in that stuff, all of that stuff inside your heart hasn't really helped you all that much, has it? I mean, carrying around all that guilt and all that shame and allowing that resentment to build and now you're bitter and you're anger, angry, that, that hasn't gotten better. In fact, it's caused you to make even worse decisions than you did the last time. You've just compounded your problems because you haven't dealt with them. Own your peace of the past so that you can move forward in peace. Amen. I hope you guys do your homework on this. This is something God calls us to do. Um, and, and Hopefully, you'll come back for part three of the new normal next week. Amen? <laughs> Let me pray for you and we'll close. Father, thank you for your word. It, it tells us to do things that just seem crazy and that we ignore. But when we do them, there's magic. It it, it just is mind-blowing how wise you are. And so thank you for your word. And I thank you uh, for this church and for our willingness to be courageous enough to confront our past and to own it. And it's hard and it's painful and it hurts. Um, In fact, I, I got a visualization. I heard a story about what a goldsmith does when he's purifying gold. He will take the gold and he will put it into the furnace, into the fire. And he'll leave it there until the gold melts. And the impurities in that gold will rise to the surface. And then the the goldsmith will take it out and he will take a little knife and he'll scrape those impurities off the top of that gold. But then he doesn't stop. He then sticks it back in the fire where it's hot. And again, the impurities in that gold rise to the top again. And I'm told that the, the goldsmith will keep doing that process over and over and over until He's able to pull the gold out of the furnace and see his unbroken reflection in that gold. And there's no more impurities. And God, my sense is, is you will allow us to repeat our mistakes over and over and over until we do the hard process of clearing off the dross and the impurities out of our life. You don't want us to go on the fire anymore. Help us to as quickly and, and as rapidly as we can to own our junk to get rid of it so that we can become more like you in the image of our creator. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.